this is, wait a second, I have a little protocol. So the protocol is, welcome to Dancing with Gravity. My name is Cyril Rabat, I'm your host. I am French, sorry for my accent. I have been juggling for the last 25 years and this is episode number three about magic, about how juggling is the real, true magic. I was taking a ride home and chatting with the driver you know, talking about circus and what I do, me being a juggler. And he was asking questions, you know, like starting by saying, oh, now I can uh, write off my bucket list. I met a juggler, which is cool. It makes me feel like, you know, I'm special and I'm doing something special. Although I know, you know, like, doing it every day I forget it's special and it's good sometimes to hear people being inspired and interested in in what I do because even I forget that it's actually pretty special to be a professional juggler and actually doing that for a living and I was we were talking about circus and different stuff and we came down to magic, you know, he was like, oh, do you like magicians? And who's your favorite magician? And I don't have a favorite magician, but actually I have some kind of theory about magic and being a magician. Because I, 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 I consider myself being a magician, actually. I don't think, I, I even think that I'm, more of a magician than magicians themselves and so um, it seems to me it would only be fair to explain a little bit why and in this episode I want to talk about that the real magic and you know my my concept that jugglers are actually magicians and more magicians than magicians themselves and the the idea or the concept or the the realization came to me one day when i was juggling in a park it was in paris in uh, jardin des plantes it's the garden of uh, plants and flowers in paris uh in the in the fifth arrondissement and I used to, f I had a spot there because uh, one of the beautiful building, uh, there's many buildings there, you know, like one is for plants, another is for the dinosaur, like bones and stuff, and another is for the butterflies and et cetera, et cetera. But one of those buildings that actually were for how do you say when you have like a stone and there's like a million of years print on that stone of an animal of the bones or you know whatever animal that died there 
and, and stayed there forever. And now the stone has the print of the animal. I have no idea how you say that. But this building had a lot of those stones, like, like you know, thousands of those stones, but the building was closed. And I know it had those stones because the entrance was like a big space with columns and stuff. And I used to go there to juggle. So I would stay inside of this space, which was like a little tucked away from this big garden and hidden by those big columns. There was like, I think only like two, but huge columns. And I would be inside this kind of like entrance of building. And since the building was closed, nobody would come there. You know, it was, there's no, like barely no traffic. So I would be there and juggle. And I, I was be able to juggle, you know, like um, summer and a little bit of autumn and, and, and spring. And um, yeah. And so I was there training and it was great because when it was like a little rainy or something, I could still be there because it was covered. And the only people going in and out of this building were actually researchers, like scientists working on those stones and traveling the world and bringing more stones and stuff. But they would, you know, rarely go in and out of the building. But since I was there every day training, I became friend, friend with one of the scientists there. And one day he... He got me in uh, with my with my kids actually, and and we got to like explore this old dusty building close to the public with those thousands of stones and all that. It was pretty magical. But my point was not about that. My point was about when I was juggling there training, kids would you know, like come back from school or spend some time in the park and parents would, would be there with them. And every time when kids, like really small kids, would be between like three, four and five years old max. I mean, more than that, kids like to stop and check me out. But between three and five, there's really something special happening those kids stop and watch me for hours. They like, they, they get mesmerized by what I do and they don't want to leave. And the parents can really like have, have to force them to leave because when I practice, I actually practice for a while. You know, I can be practicing for two, three hours outside in the park. So when a kid come around and I'm only like 45 minutes in, I can easily be there for another two hours. And the kids would stay there and watch me over and over again, even though I would be practicing, which means like basically repeating the same thing over and over again. So for anyone normal, <laughs> uh, you know, like after 10 minutes, you get okay, like, 
it's kind of it can become it, it can become monotone because it's it's a repetition of the same thing but the kids they get stuck they just like look and they cannot stop looking and it made me like try to understand why um and what i come up with is that i think kids of this age obviously for them i'm probably the first juggler they ever saw you know because it's not that common to like see a juggler and since i'm the first juggler and also they're young they they don't have any uh, of the patterns of juggling in their brain and even adults like you know common people like non-juggling people they don't have the juggling patterns in their brain like they they didn't develop those patterns because they didn't learn to juggle so you don't have the patterns in your brain but the kids they they also lack other simple patterns you know like they're learning to walk they're learning to run to jump to throw things to understand gravity, to understand like basic um, concepts of space and time, and and um, of of the world around us, and because they're building their knowledge of that, seeing me juggle is really something out of this world that they cannot even start to comprehend. And that creates real magic in a sense that those kids seeing me juggling for them, I'm actually creating magic. I'm actually doing something magical that does not exist, that's out of this world, that's not supposed to be. And that's what ma magic is. Like magic is something extraordinary something out of the ordinary something that is not supposed to be possible but is and by extension i understand that it's the same for adults like adults also most people don't have in their brain the patterns of juggling they, they don't have that because they didn't juggle and spend years developing the neural pathways in their brain and the concept, the, 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 the pattern, the, the sheen in their head about the juggling. So when they see me juggle, for example, or any, any juggler that is doing a pattern, they can actually, with their eyes see the physical mathematical pattern because there's juggling balls going through the pattern making it real but they cannot understand or comprehend it because they don't have it themselves so it does create this sense of magic in a sense that oh something is happening that i have no idea how it's happening but it's actually happening and that's the trick about magic like a magician creates an illusion the person doesn't understand how it's happening but with their eyes they can see it is happening the guy is um, 
sewing the girl in a box. Obviously, uh, you don't know how to do that because your senses would, like your common sense would tell you, well, if you try to do that, you're actually going to cut the lady there. Don't do that. So you know you shouldn't do that. You know it's not possible. And yet the magician is creating illusions with mirrors and, uh, you know, redirecting your attention and different tools that the magician has create the illusion that it's actually happening in front of your eyes. So you have this distortion between it's not possible, yet it's happening in front of you. And it's the same thing with juggling. Juggling with, for if I juggle 10 balls in front of you, there's no way you can, a person that is not juggling can conceive juggling with 10 balls. It's so far from their capacity to have the pattern, to understand that pattern, to comprehend that pattern, and to project that pattern that it's impossible. And yet, I'm doing it. And in that way, I believe that I'm more a magician than magician themselves because I'm actually really doing the pattern. I'm not only creating an illusion. Although I believe that juggling is also an illusion because while I'm juggling, there's a pattern that I create in the air, which is, I call it like a ephemeral sculpture. Like ephemeral is, is uh, ephemer in French, we say that. It, it's something that does not last. So it's for a certain amount of time. And it's a sculpture. So I'm creating this sculpture. I'm creating this pattern in the air in three dimension. But actually, when I stop doing it, it disappears. It is a sort of illusion, but it's not a trick. I'm actually doing it. I spent 10, 20, now 25 years mastering a craft to be able to create that illusion for real. And I think kids, three, four, five years old kids, can see that. And I think that's why they, they're mesmerized and they cannot go away. They, they, the parents have to really like grab them and force them to go away because they, they understand the depth of that magic. I love juggling for kids, for like small kids. They're like, you can see it in their eyes. They're like totally gone. They love it. I love it. So in that way, that's my theory about like being a magician, like being a real magician. I'm putting air quote because magicians are going to hate me for saying that, but that's what I feel. That's what, that's what I believe. So that was fun to talk about that to this driver asking me a bunch of questions about, about juggling and, and creating, creating magic. Yeah. So today I wanted to talk about that. And I had one more thing, but no, I forgot because I didn't write any plan or anything, and I'm just recording that 
um, on the top of my head. But I thought it would be nice to, to talk about magic. I think we don't have enough magic in our world today. And, or maybe that magic is too controlled. Like when I, you know, when we go and watch a fantastic movie at the movie theater, it is magic. It, it is magical. It's, we're, we're, I, I'm realizing I'm getting used to special effects, for example. But I remember 20 years ago watching movies with special effects that were terrible. They were like really bad. But at the time, it was the best we could do. And I remember my brain um, completing the picture in a way. Like, I, I could see that, that it was like fake, you know, that there's like cables and, and that the guy is, is not really flying. He's just like holding something and, and pretending to fly. But I wanted to see the guy fly, so I, I was creating the, co the, uh, the continuity around, around it. And I realized more and more that movies got, you know, like s special effect got better and everything got better. And now we have all this technology that is actually creating everything so you don't have to use your imagination to complement to 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 finish the picture the picture is already finished like when you see a superhero movie now it's perfect you you, you don't see anymore the special effect because actually there's no there's none in the sense that it's all done on the computer and everything and and then there's no more cable there's no more pretending it's it's all actually made up so in in a sense it does not really require us to dream and like make up for the difference and believe and imagine and there's a now i'm being very critic you know like when i see a movie and the special effect is not perfect i'm very critical and i realize wait a second like 25 years ago i remember those movies and when i see when i watch them now i'm laughing because it's like really like i remember it being re real like i remember it being really like amazing they're flying and it was all so powerful and now you see it and you laugh and you're like this is like so lame it's it's such a lame special effect and all that but my brain was doing the job and now i'm being so critical about uh, something so good and so far from what it was I'm realizing I'm not doing the job anymore like my brain is not um, 
fill him up, filling up the holes in a way, like, you know, filling up what's lacking in the picture. And I'm wondering if we're getting too, um, how do you say that, um, demanding, like we need it to be perfect. And I feel it's the same with with the show, you know, we have the Cirque du Soleil, for example, doing like beautiful shows and really complete experiences with the the music, the light, the 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 special effects and the artists and the costumes and the makeup and like layers and layers and layers of of perfection. And then I like things that are modest, you know, like I like to go and see a show and see a, a real human being on stage taking a risk, doing something amazing and maybe not being perfect, maybe being a little vulnerable and human and not so polished. And, and but our expectations now with TV and movies and everything that's so freaking amazing and, and perfect that, you know, we go and listen to music or see a show and there's mistakes and there's a certain poetry to mistakes and there's a certain beauty and authenticity to mistakes. So I think there's a fine balance because... <laughs> I'm really critical and when I see a show I don't like it when it's bad like when it's bad acting or it's bad singing or it's like not well I would say like when the artist is not really mastering their craft there's something that bothers me because because I'm a perfection perfectionist and and I I like when people really put their all soul and and life in in what they do but when they do that then i also like to see that they're human and i don't need to see a performance that's just perfect all the way and this is so much part of juggling like i tried for so many years to be perfect to to execute my juggling perfectly and to do my shows in a perfect way but it it doesn't happen it's not possible I, I at least I cannot be perfect all the time I mean think about it like when I perform usually and I'm in a contract I, I do on average I do 10 shows a week 10 shows a week it's a lot it's 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 a lot of repetition and overall there is a percentage that i miss there there's a you know like the more you perform the more i have chances to 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 miss and to to make a mistake and i was i used to be so harsh with myself and so pissed off and moved about my mistakes but it's not possible to be perfect. And actually, is it really 
what I want? Is it really interesting to be perfect? Is it who I am? Am I a perfect human being? Because a perfect human being seems more to me like a ma machine, like a artificial intelligence, some, some sort of like perfect machine. Being human is being flawed, is not being 100% sure, is doubting, is missing a ball sometime, is dropping, is forgetting something, is, is making mistake once in a while. And I don't like it when there's too many mistakes because it's like, well, then keep training and get better and eventually, like, you know, do something you actually can do. But when there's one mistake here or there, it just shows to the world that we're not perfect and we're human. Overall, after 25 years of performing, I know now that my best performance are always the one where I drop the ball at least one time during a performance. It's not the best one in a sense like, oh, that's perfect. It's the best one in a sense emotionally, like the best one from the audience perspective, not from my perspective as a performer being like, oh, I'm proud of myself because tonight I did my choreography right, my emotion was right, my, my red line and my character was right and all my patterns was right and it was perfect. I'm talking about the audience. When the audience starts at one point and after my act is over, after like six, eight minutes, my act is over and I brought the audience so much higher. I triple, quadruple, quintuple, whatever, blah, blah, their emotional state. And they always go higher when I drop at least one ball because, I mean, simply because it puts pressure, you know, <laughs> it's like unavoidable, but when you miss, when I miss, it puts pressure. Like people suddenly like, oh, okay, he's, he's not perfect. He's actually, uh, he can fail. So first of all, it puts some pressure and also it creates a bridge with the audience, where the audience can actually relate to me. Like, oh, you know, it's like most of the things I do on stage, people are like, oh, I could never do that. I, I will never do that in my lifetime. You know, I'm not never gonna juggle eight balls and do some pirouettes with eight balls in my lifetime. People know that. But when I drop the ball, people can relate. They're like, oh, I can do that. <laughs> Basically, when they're trying juggling, that's what happened. They they miss, they drop the ball, and they see me do that, and they can relate. I suddenly I become human. I become uh, relatable. I, I become a human being, and and that makes me reachable. They can reach to me, and they can emphasize. They can feel what I feel. 
And when I drop a bow, I, I never feel like bad. I I play with it. I I I I can be pissed off, but in a playful way where I'm going to engage with the audience and and trigger them to be like, "Oh, whoa, what happened?" Ooh, and then the audience has the tendency to clap to encourage me because it's a natural thing they do is like they're going to clap to encourage me. And then I I look at them and like, no, when I catch the ball, you clap. But when I drop the ball, what do you do? And then, you know, they start like, woo, and we can make this whole game, you know, and it actually brings a lot of hum- humor and humanity into the show that those are always my best performances. So it really helped me relax and and not aim for perfection, but actually aim for real, being real, being there on stage now and and give it my my heart and be real. Like not not try to pretend anything else but what's actually happening on stage right now and also what's happening for me inside of me like whatever emotion I'm going through I just want to share that with the audience and let's wrap up this episode so I'm going to tell you my little outro failure is an essential part of juggling oh that's on point but failing is not the problem The problem is not learning from your failures. So, juggle, fail, learn, repeat.